At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, presented by Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your Hornets podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us here once again on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Another Silver Linings edition of the HHC, but quite frankly, the best performance of Summer League so far for your Charlotte Hornets, in particular for number two overall pick Brandon Miller. We'll break that down for you momentarily. Also, want to talk about some new rules that have been approved for the upcoming 23-24 regular season. And we've got another Summer League contest to preview for you. Hornets head-to-head with the New Orleans Pelicans. Helping me on all of these topics, he's my producer on the Hornets Radio Network, as well as the producer of this fine podcast, Rob Longo, here with us once again. And Rob, I want to accentuate the positive. This was easily the best performance of the summer season for both the team and, in particular, for first-round picks Brandon Miller and Nick Smith Jr. And the fact that those two things go hand-in-hand should not be taken for granted because, as you well know and as most fans well know, it is not common for rookies to rule these types of games. Far more often, it's second or third year guys. The fact that these two put the team on their back and almost led them to a victory was very telling about their potential for their rookie seasons. By far, definitely the best game for the Hornets in this Summer League California Classic uh, sequence here over the last couple of weeks. I mean, this team just looked really, really good. One or two possessions here or there certainly could have gone the other way. Ended up being a 97-93 to final. Portland defeats the Hornets, but at the end of the day, again, there were some lapses in there that Charlotte had, which we've seen in previous games. There was a very lengthy run between the first end of the first quarter and the beginning of the second quarter that really put things out of reach, I thought, or at least at the time, I thought, for Charlotte, considering that Portland was up by as many as 15, but give the Hornets credit. They battled back there in the second quarter. They still lost the second quarter, but only by two points. They trailed by five going into the locker room. Then in the third quarter, outscore the Trailblazers 20-15, to 15, tie ball game going into the fourth quarter, and then just a couple of opportunities slipping away and give credit where credit's due. Portland did a really good job there in the fourth quarter, specifically Shaden Sharp. And again, second year player, guy that already has some NBA experience under his belt, like you talked about when it comes to guys dominating the game in summer league. So definitely nothing to shake your head at if you're a Hornets fan or a Hornets player. Nick Smith Jr. was phenomenal. Brandon Miller, phenomenal. This draft class already looks really, really good. And there were some other positives elsewhere sprinkled in there. Kai Jones had 13 points. He was 6-7 shooting. That was a big positive as well. So a lot to like from this Hornets team, even though it was a loss last night. 
Six of seven shooting for Kai Jones, and the only miss was the only three attempted. Six for six from inside the arc helps if you're looking down at it from high above, as Kai Jones has the ability to do. Uh, Hornets do fall 97 to 93. I think you're right to point out the turnovers as an issue. They are for every team in Summer League, but for the Hornets, they stung a little, little bit extra, I thought, in this one in particular. End of the first quarter between a foul, a turnover, and giving up a, a three. It was kind of a Reggie Miller type of sequence from back in his days as a player at the Garden, and uh, that that turned into five points, which, as it turns out, ends up really being the difference between winning and losing. You put those five points, or I should say take those five points off the board for the Blazers, Hornets come away with the victory. Nevertheless, it's a Silver Linings edition. A lot to be excited, though, with the rookies, so I would assume they'll make our Silver Linings. Rob Longo, you get to choose first. Well, I thought for the longest time it was going to be head and shoulders. Brandon Miller looked great in that first half. Nick Smith Jr. had a really good first half as well, but he exploded in the second half. He finishes the game with 33 points, 20 of his 33 coming there in the second half alone. He was 13 of 20 from the field, 4 for 5 beyond the arc. He also had 4 rebounds and 3 assists. The only problem, and he talked about it after the game, were the turnovers. That was certainly an issue by Nick Smith Jr. He had 6 of them. That certainly hurts the cause. Points off turnovers, just creating extra opportunities extra possessions the other side for Portland is going to be very critical in a game that ends up only being a four-point spread but he said he needs to be better and he also said after the game too that he hasn't run point guard since high school so I know that he's only 19 years old so it's not that far removed but at the end of the day Anytime you have a position where you're trying to relearn it after a couple years, especially at an elite level like the NBA it's going to be a little bit of a challenge but I thought he was phenomenal yesterday just some of the moves he had there. He was in his bag left and right. I mean, he was making guys look silly out there, and I know it's summer league, but he has the potential to do that at the NBA level here, of course, in a couple of months when the regular season starts. But, man, he just looked really, really good out there. I don't even have to look at anybody else's film or anybody else's summer league performance. Just shut it down right now. Nick Smith Jr. is the steal of the draft. I mean, I don't know who else can even compete with that. I know he slipped, and a lot of people had him a lot higher and maybe even had him in the lottery, but, man, getting him at 27 just continues to look like a steal here for Mitch Kupchak and the Hornets. I like the confidence. 33 points, 13 of 20 from the floor, 4 for 5 from 3, as you mentioned. He did have 6 turnovers, which he touched on, but 20 points in the second half alone. And a lot of the NBA, in terms of being a scorer, is about creating your own shot in one-on-one opportunities. And we saw that from Nick Smith, both going over screens and firing from three when the defender goes under, just beating guys one-on-one, spin moves, crossover dribbles. He looked really, really strong out there and talked about after the game just feeling more and more comfortable both with the pace of play for the NBA and with the position he's being asked to play here in Summer League point guard. I feel like it wasn't just a game. I'm just getting more comfortable just being out there, period. Um, you know, this is my first time actually playing points since, like, high school. So, you know, just to get an opportunity, just get a chance to play point, you know, to see different things, see things go through. And uh, it's definitely it's definitely a good day for me, but, you know, I just got to come with the same mindset um, next year. I kind of doubt he's going to be asked to play a ton of point guard, at least not with the starting group. Lamelo's kind of got that position locked down, as he should. But Nick Smith Jr. Uh, looked really, really strong, really one of the more comfortable games he had scoring the ball overall for the Hornets. I uh, do want to give some credit where credit's due. You mentioned Kai Jones. I'll mention him, too. 13 points, 6 of 7 shooting. Only miss was a 3, 6 for 6 inside of the arc. Most of those were done. He looked pretty good in that facet of the game, even though I I thought where this game really was won and lost wasn't so much the turnovers, it was rebounding, the 
Blazers ended up taking seven extra shots than the Hornets did. Charlotte shot better from the floor, better from three, better from the free throw line, but the extra volume of shots, reason for it, six more offensive rebounds for Portland. To me, that made the difference in this very close contest. But in my eyes, I think there's only one good answer here for Silver Linings, and that's Brandon Miller, and that's with Nick Smith Jr.'s 33 points. I was just so impressed with Miller's game. He played above the rim. He shot the three very, very comfortably. 26 points, six rebounds using that size, those God-given abilities, and that's what you want to find. And I mentioned it earlier. If you want to see how a guy is actually going to play in the NBA, you have to look at their ability to make those catch-and-shoot plays. Brandon Miller did that. To use your athleticism to gain advantages. He did that with some above-the-rim finishes, both on alley-oops and just individually taking it to the hole. And then the creativity to play through contact. Brandon Miller did that as well. So I think he checked all the boxes. I have no idea if this will be his last game or if he'll continue to play in Summer League. But if this is the last showing, he certainly saved the best for last. 26 points, made it look easy out there. That's what a number two pick is supposed to look like if you're lucky. As we mentioned before, rookies tend not to dominate games this way. You look over on the Portland side and you know, you've know you got some guys who had a lot of experience that showed out in this one and ultimately made the difference. Shaden Sharp made a lot of those winning plays in the fourth quarter for Portland. I think he had 14 points in that fourth quarter. But Brandon Miller, Nick Smith Jr., they were the stars of the show. A very impressive performance here for this young Hornets group. All right, coming up next, there's some new rule changes as well as some new players coming for the 23-24 season. In addition to Nick Smith Jr. and Brandon Miller, hopefully heading towards an immediate impact, we've got some new rules that could have an impact on gameplay as well. We'll talk to you about them next here on the Hornets Hivecast. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sam Farber, Rob Longo here with you on the HHC, the Hornets I've cast brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. All right, Rob, the NBA had some news break uh, yesterday or in the last 48 hours, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. NBA Board of Governors approving an in-game flopping penalty and expanded use of the coaches' challenge. Because it's new, I've heard more people talking about the flopping penalty, but really, I think the big impact here on the game is going to be on expanded use of coaches challenge so that's where we're going to start this one uh it's been a very successful start here with this new implementation of the rule i think since it's come into being uh, really kind of one of the items that came from the pandemic as they tinkered with some of the rules and some of what was possible and it's now normal league-wide basically it's been expanded to award teams a second challenge if their first challenge is successful and teams have gotten very very good at determining 
when and why to challenge plays. It's not just because the ref got it wrong, but it has to be a certain level of advantage for coaches to want to use it. Sometimes they like to save it for the last minute or two of the game. They'll have rules like unless it's egregious and is going to make a two to four point swing, we're only going to save our challenge for the fourth quarter. Well, now if you know you're right, you can use it a little earlier. I think this is a potential game changer. I think it's the right thing to do. There was no reason to penalize a team for the referee being egregiously wrong on a particular play early. Let them earn that second challenge. If they're wrong, they won't get it. But if they're right, they should be able to retain a second one. Rob, your thoughts on this new rule change? I think you summed it up pretty perfectly there. I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I mean, how many times did we see last year where head coach Steve Clifford really wanted to challenge something very early on a game that was very obvious, but he wanted to wait in case that challenge became more valuable there later in the third and the fourth quarter. So I think this is a great opportunity for, again, to get everything right because at the end of the day, that's what we want. We want the call to be right on the floor. Now, there is the game flow and the pace of play and that sort of stuff that has kind of taken a step back over the last couple years with the NBA because we don't have those last two minutes that take maybe a half hour of real time because they keep going to the monitor to check inbounds plays or who touched the ball last or or those sort of things. So this is an opportunity for the league and the teams to continue the pace of play, to continue that game flow and still get the calls right. So I think this is kind of a no-brainer. And if you happen to compare this to another sport, if you have happened to be at a Charlotte Knights game on the weekends this year or in the last year as well, you've noticed that there's been a challenge system involved with balls and strikes in the minor leagues at a AAA level. And it's kind of a very similar thing. You get three challenges, and if you get them one right, then you get to keep it and so on and so forth. So you could have more than three challenges. Now, obviously, it's not going to go to that level here in the NBA. You're going to have a max of two. But again, it doesn't really mess up the game flow. It takes a pretty short amount of time. So I think this is a good opportunity for the NBA to get calls right and for the game and the pace of play to continue with that natural rhythm of basketball. I like it. The other rule change is there's going to be a flopping penalty now for players who are maybe exaggerating contact a little bit. Referees will be required to stop live play to call a flopping violation. If necessary, they can wait to the next natural break and not disadvantage an offensive team that's off and running. Uh, Officials will then administer the flopping penalty. It is a free throw to the team that was uh, offended, I guess. So there's uh, some extra points to be had for teams there. And this is something that's going to have a financial penalty as well to players who are repeat offenders, fine starting at $2,000 according to the NBA's release and then increasing incrementally, as I mentioned, for repeat offenders. That part of it's going to get reviewed afterwards in-game, in the moment. They'll call them as they see them, and they can also add them on in the midst of a challenge, although you can't challenge specifically for a flop. So if you are, say, challenging a block charge call, it's called a block, you think, or sorry, it's called a charge. The team challenges the call. You can have it flipped not only in saying it's a blocking call, but that there was a flop as well. That is a possibility here. This one to me, Rob, is a little bit more like the take foul situation from a season ago. I liked that rule change. I was unsure how it was going to be adjudicated. I thought there's a lot of gray area in what is an honest attempt at the basketball. And there were some times where I thought, okay, they're being a little overly aggressive or not aggressive enough on offenders. I thought it was not always the same level of 
contact that required a call last time. And I'll be curious if the variance exists for this one as well. If some crews are going to be a little bit more aggressive on flop calls, a little bit less for others. That's my only quibble with this one. I do in general think it's a good idea, but these guys are so good at selling these calls. I'm going to be interested to see how this one is officiated. This one's definitely going to have a lot of gray area involved, and I totally understand where you're coming from because there's a lot of players out there that have reputations for being floppers or embellishing things a little bit more than they should, and I'm not going to name names. That's Everybody can draw their own conclusions in that regard. But, yeah, this is going to be something It's going to be really interesting to watch moving forward, how the league officiates this. I'm sure we'll get some clarity here in a couple of weeks whenever we head to the annual broadcasters meeting. And Monty McCutcheon is there explaining to us the new rule changes, and everybody's playing a 1,000 questions with him and he's trying to simplify it and dumb it down for us. I'm sure we'll have a better explanation then, but I like where this is heading. I think this is good. It's going to deter those people from embellishing as much, especially if they call it very, very tight, maybe in the preseason. That might be a way to kind of deter it for happening in the regular season, but we'll just kind of have to see what happens. But definitely a step in the right direction, I feel like, especially when you're starting to impose not only the monetary fines, but the point punishment as well, getting that free throw, getting extra points on the board as a possibility that would ultimately hurt your team rather than just yourself financially. So I think it's a good move there in that regard. Yeah, definitely worth penalizing the player if they're a repeat offender for this one. And you're just trying to clean up the game. It's a very difficult game to officiate in the first place. And so I think if it's successful in getting this out of the game, much the same way the take foul was able to get that transition foul out of the game for the most part, are there going to be gray areas where you think one should have been called or one shouldn't have been called? Of course there are. But for the most part, I think you and I both noticed it was out of the game predominantly by the last 25 games, even the last half of the season. And I think in this one as well, if we can get to that similar point where there's always going to be gray areas, guys are always going to try and fight for every advantage. But if they're not flopping so routinely, then I think we can see some movement forward in the quality of gameplay. And I think that's the point at the end of the day. All right, Hornets have another game scheduled here for Summer League. They should have one more in addition, but we know they're playing the Pelicans coming up on Thursday, and we'll preview that one for you next here on the Hornets Ivecast. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Sam Farber, Rob Longo here with you on the HHC, the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta. All right, Rob, we've got another game on the docket. Hornets are 0-3 now in Summer League. You know they're hungry for a win in Las Vegas. They're 0-5 overall going back to Sacramento. But coming off of their best performance against Portland, I think they've got something to build on. And offensively, they just look like a different team out there. Brandon Miller, Nick Smith Jr. were the focal points. This is a time of Summer League where occasionally first-round picks 
especially highly drafted ones like a Brandon Miller, start to drop off. We have no confirmation one way or another, just throwing that out there as we preview this game a couple of days early on our schedule. So if we get it wrong, if you get to game day and you listen back and say, hey, uh, Brandon Miller's not playing, why are they talking about him? Well, we're throwing this here as a disclaimer, so to speak. So Rob rules are in effect. Who do you want to start with first? A member of the 2-1 and New Orleans Pelicans or a member of the Charlotte Hornets? Let's begin with the opponent. That's the New Orleans Pelicans, like you mentioned, are coming off an 82-73 to win against the Phoenix Suns on Tuesday. I'm taking a look at this box score, and I'm looking at the Pelicans. There's not really a lot of names that are notable that jump out to me. So the biggest one is Dyson Daniels, of course, eighth overall pick in last year's draft lottery pick for the Pelicans. And he finished the game... Yesterday with just 10 points, 4 of 8 shooting, so not a very impressive stat line, but he's a guy that kind of needs a little bit more work because you go back and you look at his stats from this past season for the Pelicans. Yeah, he ended up playing in 59 games, but he only ended up taking a total of about 208 shots, which, I mean, I feel like isn't a ton. He was averaging about 1.5 shots per game when he was out there on average, and he was playing 11-12 minutes on average as well. So it's interesting to see them have a lottery pick like that and not particularly use them a whole lot. I know that they were competing for a playoff spot and a play-in tournament berth for the majority of the season, so they wanted to keep those veterans out there. But I feel like if you get the number eight overall guy, you want to see him at some point. And I know that Summer League is a good opportunity to do that. Kind of similar in a sense to Brandon Miller a little bit where he just doesn't seem to be having a huge shot volume. Now, Brandon has obviously turned that around since the California Classic, but Dyson Daniels is my guy to watch just to see and maybe he ends up taking a couple more shots here in a couple of days against the Hornets. Maybe he tries to force the issue a little bit more. So I'm interested to see what Dyson Daniels has on the table. I like the pick. He's a bigger guard, and so he kind of fits a, a piece of the puzzle there for New Orleans that as he gets more experience, gets up to speed, maybe he'll be able to have a bigger impact in upcoming contests. He had a really big game against the Warriors earlier in the week in Las Vegas, had a big double-double, 17 points points and 15 rebounds really showing off some of that skill set that he learned mostly riding the bench last year for the Pelicans he also had eight assists in that game a win over Golden State I'm going to go with their first round pick from this season that would be Jordan Hawkins out of UConn Hawkins has not shot the ball very well quite frankly in summer league which is a surprise because that's what he was known for coming out of UConn he was a 38 percent three-point shooter for their national championship winning team this past season really big time score average 16 points per game knocked down almost three triples per contest as well but over his last two games from three he's a combined two for 12 last game in overall shooting three or from two he was one for 12 from the field still able to get the pelicans to a win over the suns 82 to 73 but nonetheless he's struggling with his shot it's not uncommon for rookies as they adjust to the new line and so on and so forth but he's someone certainly to watch here because with his kind of shooting ability he can definitely impact a contest. All right, we need Hornets to watch. Where would you like to begin, Rob? Well, like you prefaced this segment of the podcast, it's kind of tough to decide on who to take just in case that some of the guys maybe sit going into Thursday's game, but I think a guy that's probably going to play and a guy I want to see more from, and I think this is kind of a common refrain we've seen through the first several games of the California Classic and the Summer League, is James Booknight. James Booknight only had two points in that loss against the Trailblazers. He was 0-2 from the field. He only took two shots. They were both three-pointers. He ended up getting fouled going to the back and he made both of his free throws there. One rebound, one assist, two fouls. You know, anytime you have the same amount of fouls and points, it's not 
not a good look. He did have a steal out there, ended up being a minus seven in the plus minus. Played a little bit under 15 minutes, which I thought was interesting. But when you look at the box score and you see some of the other guard rotation in there as well with Amari Bailey and Justin Robinson. And of course, Nick Smith Jr. had a great, great game in that contest against the Trailblazers. So I understand why James Booknight might not have gotten a lion's share of the minutes, and you're trying to work some different guys in there to see what they got. But I would like to see more from James Booknight. I think a lot of people would like that too going into this season, and it's an important one for Book, and we've talked about that several times here on the podcast. But I'm looking at him as my player to watch here tonight for Charlotte, or Thursday, I guess we could say, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. That's right. Whenever you're listening to it, we've got you covered. I I like the pick. I'll go with kind of one and a half here. I'll go if the team does not not choose to sit anyone moving forward. I'll look at Nick Smith Jr. Can he follow it up? He was not known as an elite three-point shooter, known as an elite scorer at Arkansas, but not necessarily an elite three-point shooter. So going four for five, can you replicate that? Can you get the same quality of shots? It was particularly impressive that he was able to generate a lot of those off the dribble. Yeah, he'd get the better side of a screen for some of those, but still his ability to knock that down coming off the dribble rather than catch-and-shoot situation, that's impressive. So one to see him clean up the turnovers certainly but can he stay as efficient doesn't have to score 30 every time out but can he maintain an above 500 shooting percentage from the floor from three back-to-back games that's what I would like to see but in anticipation that maybe they won't play the first round picks as much let's go with Amari Bailey he's had some really really good performances for the Hornets over the entirety of summer league this last one it wasn't bad he kind of faded into the background a little bit which is probably the right to decision when you got Brandon Miller and Nick Smith Jr. combining for 59 points and shooting the ball they way they did you want to see him get more shots but for Bailey the one quibble I think you can have with him is he hasn't shot the three particularly well overall like to see him knock down one or two in his next contest and then just continue to be a really good playmaker I think he's done a great job of that over the course of summer league if some guys minutes come down Bailey is someone who could be a benefactor and he could be really explosive in that role so Amari Bailey my pick for Hornets player to watch that next game is going to come up on Thursday they'll have you covered between ESPN and NBA TV and of course there should be one more game left on the docket for the charlotte hornets once we get the schedule then you'll know when the next preview podcast is coming out in the meantime we'll keep rob longo chained to the desk and awaiting more hornets action whatever helps you sleep better at night sam ah thank you rob all right rob longo great job as always thanks to all of you for tuning in for everyone here i'm sam farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you along we will talk to you next time right here on the hornets hivecast thank you for listening to the hornets hivecast Brought to you by Senta, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. For more coverage, visit Hornets.com. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.